Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia. Evan Roberts here to talk New York Mets baseball with you. We had a little bit of Mets news over the course of the last couple of days. We have a bench coach, John Gibbons, who managed the Toronto Blue Jays on numerous occasions. Did it with a little bit of success because he was the manager of that team in 2015 that got to the ALCS, the team that in 2016 got, I think, to another ALCS. I think they got to -to back-to-back ALCSs in 15 and 16. So a decent manager with the Toronto Blue Jays on numerous occasions. He takes over as the bench coach for Carlos Mendoza. And I think most of us were on the same page that it was important to bring in a guy with experience. If you're going to have a rookie manager, if you're going to have a guy who's never managed at the major league level before, it's smart and it behooves him to have a man with experience on the bench. It would have been cool if it was Willie Randolph. That never seemed to be all that realistic. There were rumors of Phil Nevin coming in. But John Gibbons, who, again, has had success with the Blue Jays, played for the Mets rather briefly in the 80s, seems like a, a solid choice as bench coach for the New York Mets. The other stuff going on this week is just rumor. Because we all wait bated breath on Yamamoto to find out, are the Mets going to be the lucky team to end up with Yamamoto and really make this offseason a little bit easier? There are still challenges in rebuilding this roster, but giving yourself that potential ace, that other horse on the other side of Kodai Senga just makes things a lot easier, especially building a rotation. But let's not be fooled. As much as we've talked about adding starting pitching, As much as we've talked about fixing the bullpen and getting it to Edwin Diaz, there are some offensive holes. A few weeks ago, if you missed it, we addressed third base. We did a deep dive on the options at third base, whether it was in free agency or trade or just filling it externally. And I think for the most part, we all kind of agreed that they're probably better off doing an external battle for third base, including Brett Beatty and Ronnie Mauricio. Justin Turner made sense as a short addition as a free agent, but that's not the only position the Mets are dealing with. So on this podcast today, we are really going to explore left field, a position that has not exactly been filled by consistency over the last bunch of years. It just hasn't. Now, Tommy Pham played a lot of left field last year and did a pretty good job until the Mets decided, you know what, we're out of it. (laughs) Let's, Let's trade him away. So they could bring him back. That's certainly one of the options. And I think Tommy Pham mentioned recently that there are 10 teams interested in his services. So 
assuming the Mets weren't bothered by his comments about this being the least hardworking position player group he's ever seen, Tommy Pham returning seems to be an option. We will look at internal options for the Mets. We will look at external options for the Mets. I think before I just said external in the wrong way. I get it confused sometimes at third base. They should look at external options. No, internal options means Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio. Internal options in left field and then external options in left field. Because the truth is, right now, when you look at this Met roster and you look at the 40-man, who's the left fielder? Like just of the guys on this 40-man roster, who's the opening day left fielder? And the answer is what? DJ Stewart? Right now, the Mets only have, if you look at the position players on their roster, three true outfielders on their 40-man roster. That's it. Three. (laughs) That's a very small number. You're talking about Brandon Nimmo. You're talking about Starling Marte. And you're talking about DJ Stewart. That's it. The only other guy would be Jeff McNeil. And we'll mention him a lot because he is one of those internal options in left field. But right now, The Mets have three true outfielders on their 40-man roster. Starling Marte coming off an injury and a real injury-riddled 2023 season. When he played, he wasn't very productive. The third year of a four-year contract. Brandon Nimmo had a solid year overall. And DJ Stewart, who had a great month. But what can you really expect from DJ Stewart? So let's start here. They obviously can't go into opening day with an outfield of DJ, Nimmo, and Marte. Can we agree on that? that there needs to be additions. Now, as far as Jeff McNeil is concerned, because I think Jeff McNeil is a very, very viable option as a guy to become their everyday left fielder. And all of a sudden, if you're looking at an outfield of McNeil in left, Nimmo in center, Marte in right, with DJ Stewart as your fourth outfielder, it doesn't sound as bad. But upon doing that, you've now created an opening at second base. You have now announced to the world, okay, we fixed left field. Who's the second baseman? Luis Guillorme off this roster. He was non-tendered. Ronnie Mauricio seems to be in the mix to play third base. And if Mauricio is your second baseman, then you're basically handing Brett Beatty the job, which means two-fourths or half of your infield is going to be young players who have a lot to prove in Mauricio and Brett Beatty. So is that really the best option? Now, if you go out and you add one of those true third basemen we mentioned, whether it's Justin Turner or somebody else, then that allows second base maybe to just be Ronnie Mauricio's job. And you feel, I guess, less nervous about it because you've just filled third base with an everyday kind of, I know what I'm getting production. But right now, internally, if you fixed left field with Jeff McNeil, you're not creating a big hole in the infield. So keep that in mind when we use Jeff McNeil as an option here. But this is a part of why McNeil has such value to this team. I know that Jeff McNeil is the kind of guy that we've all talked openly about trading. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Number one, he's coming off a bad year. And when a guy is coming off a bad year, especially for his standards, it's easy as a fan to say, get rid of him. Just move on. But let's not forget how good Jeff McNeil was in 2022. Not only did he win the batting title, hitting 326. But he was also probably the guy you wanted up in a big spot more than anybody else. And he was the only guy who actually showed up in that postseason series. And I don't even know he didn't even hit that much, but it felt like he was hitting more than everybody else in that postseason series. So are we ready to dump Jeff McNeil coming off of a down season? 
a part of why I'd be hesitant to do it is because of the versatility we talk about. That there is something to be said about a guy that when we have these discussions about filling roster holes, McNeil can be used in multiple ways. He could be the left fielder. He could be the second baseman. He could be the right fielder. So I think when discussing this hole, it would make you less inclined to trade Jeff McNeil because now you're creating another hole. Even if you fix a spot in the rotation, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. The other thing to keep in mind when talking about the outfield is, are we all comfortable or are we all forced to just assume, well, Starling Marte is the everyday right fielder, no question. Starling Marte played 86 games last year. He missed a big bulk of the season. And even in 2020, 2022, the all-star season he had, he missed a lot of time. Now think about this. He missed 44 games in 2022 and then obviously battled through the postseason playing injured. Had a very good year, no doubt when he was out there, but he missed a lot of time. 2021, the year before that, when he split time between Miami and Oakland, he missed 42 games. He played a full season in 2020. So really the last three seasons, he's missed significant periods of time, especially this past year. So he's on the roster and he's making a lot of money. So you're not getting rid of him. I don't think anyone's suggesting that because there really is no avenue to do that. But can you rely on him to play 140 games, something he hasn't done since 2018? That's the risky thing about Marte. And that's a part of why you need some kind of stalwart out there in the outfield. I would not be comfortable at this moment going into war next season with those four guys of DJ Stewart, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo, and Starling Marte just being my outfield. They have to add somebody. So that's where I saw it already before we get into the names on it. Someone needs to be added externally. Doesn't have to be a star necessarily, but it's got to be somebody. As far as the young players on the horizon and, hey, can you expect them to help at any point? Jet Williams has openly said he expects to be in the major leagues next year, but Jet Williams is 20 years old. That's it. He's played a bunch of games in center field, but he's still mostly a shortstop. So can he make that adjustment to where you feel comfortable in him as a as an outfielder, as a guy that's going to help them this season? I don't know how realistic that is. Luis Angel Acuna, on the other hand, has also played a very, very, very limited amount of time in the outfield. He played four games in center field when he was at AA in the Rangers organization. When he came over the Mets, he only played shortstop and second base. Now, the positive to that, and Jet Williams is included in this as well. When we talk about McNeil going to the outfield, Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna, if they can help in 2024, can certainly be some of the guys that push McNeil to the outfield and they give you more depth at second base. That is certainly possible. The other young player to keep an eye on is Drew Gilbert. Can Drew Gilbert be a guy that helps this team in 2024? I think the other guys I mentioned, specifically Luis Angel Acuna, is probably more realistic. Now, Drew Gilbert is more of a natural outfielder. He is an outfielder and apparently is a very good defensive center fielder or left fielder. Last year, he played at double A. He played 95 games at double A. If he could start the year at triple A and tear it up, I think he's certainly a mid-season possibility. So if I had to rank in order in terms of the likeliness they get to the major leagues, I would guess Acuna would be number one, but he hasn't played a lot of outfield. 
Drew Gilbert versus Jet Williams, I guess that's kind of close on who would be more likely to come up here. Gilbert is more of a natural outfielder than Jet Williams is. And Jet Williams had that quick rise last year. I guess Drew Gilbert would be ahead mainly because he's played more games at double A. But those options I mentioned, the internal young options, are possibly middle-of-the-season options. They're not guys to come out of spring training and make this team. As far as external options are concerned, let's take a look at some of the free agents and see if any of them are appealing. We'll go one by one. We'll start with a guy I've always liked, but he's old. He's 36 years old. He'll be 37 in May. And talk about having a tough time staying healthy. This guy hasn't been healthy in what seems like a decade, and that's Michael Brantley. Last year, Michael Brantley missed the first, I think, four months of the season. He finally came back really late in the season. I think it was September. So you can't even look at his numbers and draw much of a conclusion. In 2022, he only played 64 games. You want to bring Michael Brantley in on a one-year contract? You have to expect that you're not going to get much out of him. And that's why I've always liked Brantley. He's always been a real good bat-on-ball guy, makes a lot of good contact, can hit for a little bit of pop, hit 22 home runs in 2019. I don't think he's a great option, mainly because you just can't rely on him to stay healthy. And at the age of 37 years old, it seems unlikely that all of a sudden that's going to change now. So I say no. Another outfield option. And this was a guy who last year on the Rico was my, I don't want to say number one option because it was more towards the middle and latter part of the offseason when we were talking about adding a right-handed DH option, a guy to play the outfield. Tommy Pham was a candidate. Turned out to be Tommy Pham. And this guy was very productive when he played. The problem was it was another year in which this guy missed time, which is part of his track record, and that's Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall was a guy I think we were all pretty high on. Good defensive player, really good pop which this lineup could have used, at least in theory at the time, we thought could have used. And he had 21 home runs last year with the Red Sox in 92 games, which is insane. That's a great clip. That's a 35 home run clip. Problem is he only played 92 games. 2022, the year before with Atlanta, only played 86 games. And when you look at an outfield, that includes Starling Marte, who's always hurt, Brandon Nimmo, who the last two years has been healthy, but before that had a checkered pass as far as staying healthy was concerned. I, I'm scared of adding guys who are very unreliable in terms of staying healthy. That would frighten me. But both of those guys are free agents. Another guy who's a free agent is a switch-hitting outfielder named Robbie Grossman. Robbie Grossman, very good against left-handed pitching, so a big split in terms of how he performs as a right-hand hitter versus how he performs as a left-hand hitter. And that's consistent across the board. Like, look at last year, 2023, as an example. When he batted left-handed, 206-633 OPS. When he batted right-handed, 309-953 OPS. So I think he's a solid addition on a cheap one-year deal, and he made no money last year. So you're not going to have to pay him much. But I think you need to view Robbie Grossman in the right prism, which is that's a platoon player. Now, are we comfortable going that route? I mean, would we be comfortable going with a DJ Stewart, Robbie Grossman platoon in left field? I think I want more. So let's talk about a guy that could give you more. How about Lourdes Gurriel? of the Arizona Diamondbacks at 24 home runs last year, 
had a 770 OPS. What about a guy like Lourdes Goriel? Is he a guy worth going after? Not bad. I wouldn't mind that. Question is price. That's the real question. One guy I mentioned during the let's build our own offseason plan is Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson also feels kind of similar to Robbie Grossman, that he's more of a more of a part-time guy. He can give you a lot of pop as a left-hand hitter, but he's one of those guys who you don't want to play against lefties. So could you go add a Jock Peterson, Robbie Grossman platoon and basically say, all right, Jock, righty's on the mound, go slug your 800 OPS and a bunch of home runs and go Robbie Grossman against lefties? It's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, I have to admit. It's not. Now, strict platoons are not ideal. You'd rather have a guy that can hit both sides. But Jock Peterson and Robbie Grossman as your tag team combination in the outfield, you could do worse. The bigger ticket item, and I say that because I think it's going to cost a lot, is Teoscar Hernandez. I don't watch, and none of us have watched Teoscar every day. What I hear is he's not great defensively in the outfield. He swing and misses a ton. Like he struck out 200 times last year. And your reward for watching him strike out 200 times last year was a 740 OPS and 26 home runs. It doesn't feel like that's the, the proper reward for watching a guy strike out 200 times. Two years ago with Toronto, in the best season he had of his career, he struck out 148 times and he had 32 home runs. That seems fair. That's the kind of deal I'd feel good with. But last year at age 30, the strikeouts were just, they were insane. Just to put it in perspective, he struck out 31% of the time last year. The major league average is 22%. He only walked 5.6% of the time, the lowest of his major league career. The MLB average is 8.5%. So he was striking out more than ever. He was walking fewer times than ever, and the ultimate reward was 26 home runs. He's probably one of the best options available in free agency amongst the names I've mentioned, but you really want him? Wouldn't that strikeout rate kind of scare you? So those are some of your left fielders available via free agency. Though my mistake, I think Lourdes Scorial would be a trade option if we're being accurate. 